Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It's time for the tech news for Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. And after all the... Twitter polls, the poison pills, and the posturing. That's a lot of alliteration. Elon Musk and Twitter's board of directors have come to an agreement for Musk to purchase Twitter. Now, that deal isn't done yet. Shareholders have to agree on the acquisition, and it also has to pass regulatory approval. But that being said, I think the general consensus is that there aren't going to be any serious roadblocks in the way of this deal, and it will, in fact, go through. It's a heck of a story. I anticipate this is going to be one of the really big stories when folks do retrospectives on, you know, the most important tech news of 2022. Elon Musk has had a, let's say, controversial time on Twitter using a platform to post stuff that got him into serious hot water with the SEC, something that he protests and says was unmerited. Um, Musk has also had a bit of a dodgy past when it comes to following regulations, and he's been known to use Twitter to promote certain cryptocurrencies, which nearly always has had a massive effect and frequently a short term effect on that cryptocurrency's value, which has led some to accuse Musk of using his position to try and pump and then dump crypto in an effort to make a tidy profit at the expense of Marx. 
Now, Musk has said he plans on overseeing some really big changes at Twitter, including authenticating every human on the platform and eliminating bots. He has also repeatedly called for Twitter to be a better steward of free speech, which has led some to think that Musk might reverse some big decisions like the lifelong ban on former President Donald Trump. And this has a lot of people concerned that Twitter's trend toward cracking down on uh, misinformation and disinformation campaigns could be reversed. Uh, Free speech is a pretty tricky thing, too, because, you know, even... The United States has limits on free speech. It's not absolute. For example, the United States Supreme Court has determined on numerous occasions that free speech uh, does have boundaries, like libel and slander are two of those. So libel and slander don't count as free speech. And so there's concern that Musk's interpretation of free speech might allow for rampant abuse on the platform. Musk has said that there will still be content moderation and that extreme tweets like those calling for physical violence against people will not be allowed. So it sounds like there will be limitations there. He's also indicated that he intends Twitter to work within the laws of various countries, that he's not he's not advocating that Twitter flaunt uh, laws around the world. And that could also mean that, you know, we're talking about free speech with limitations on Twitter as well as elsewhere. Uh, so a lot of people are kind of confused about this, about where it's going to go. Honestly, it's far too early to say because we're not there yet. Uh, but a lot of people have said they are leaving the platform. Uh, much fewer are actually leaving. So a lot of people are saying, that's it, I'm moving, and then they stay where they are, which, you know, that happens every time we see a massive change in leadership, whether we're talking about a social platform or a country. Uh, Jack Dorsey, one of the co-founders and the former CEO of Twitter, says that Musk is the, quote, singular solution I trust, end quote. So there's definitely debate on whether or not Musk taking over Twitter is a good or bad thing. Now, I anticipate that I will maintain my Tech Stuff HSW Twitter feed for this show, but uh, I have already sunsetted, although not deactivated, my personal account. By sunset, I just mean I logged out. Uh, And the reason I'm not deleting that account isn't because I'm worried I'm going to miss it. Instead, it's that I don't want to surrender my Twitter handle and have someone else take it over and then potentially post a lot of nasty stuff that could, you know, for, for a casual follower, make them think that it was me. I don't want that to ever happen. Uh, now for the record, I don't think I'm really important enough for anyone to actually care about doing that, but I feel as a verified user, it's probably for the best that I don't open up that possibility. Anyway, I also want to say to all of you that staying or leaving Twitter is a personal choice. If you love Twitter and you don't want to go and it's useful to you, those are all legitimate reasons. And I feel you should feel fine about staying on Twitter. That, you know, I'm not, my own choice doesn't reflect my opinion of how other people operate. But if you do feel uneasy and you want to skedaddle, that's fine too. Even if it's just temporary, that's fine. Don't let anyone dictate to you what you should or should not do. Uh, For me, this is something I feel I needed to do both for myself, as it can have an impact on my mental well-being, and also because I genuinely feel that I won't be doing much good on Twitter 
Arguably, I haven't done much good up to this point. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more stories about this as time goes on. And that's enough for now, I think. But the Twitter conversation is absolutely dominating the tech news space right now. It's lucky that I was able to find a few other stories that we can touch on, too. One is that Netflix employee morale is taking a serious hit. Now, this should come as no real surprise. Last week, Netflix began a serious slide in the stock market after reporting that the company had a net loss of 200,000 subscribers around the world in the first quarter of 2022. For many at Netflix, this slide has had a massive personal impact, uh, particularly people who are like in the executive level. Folks who own shares in Netflix, because Netflix, like a lot of tech companies, has rewarded employees with compensation in the form of shares. Well, folks who have shares are seeing their wealth decline every time the stock price takes another hit. So it's like you're losing money working for the company. The general caution that a lot of people feel about Netflix after its first decline since it launched, I mean, remember, the earnings call we heard where we found out about the 200,000 decline, that was the first decline in the history of Netflix. But apparently the same concern that we're seeing outside of Netflix is prevalent within the ranks of Netflix itself. A lot of people are reportedly considering leaving the company before things get worse, uh, particularly, again, at the executive and management levels. This is according to Bloomberg, by the way, which published an article about the whole ordeal. I still personally find this story a bit perplexing. It's hard for me to reconcile that a company that has been as monumentally successful as Netflix could be so fragile that its first really bad quarter sends the message that the empire is on shaky ground. And here's the thing that really wrinkles my brain, as Troy would say. If enough people buy into that perspective, that Netflix is in really serious trouble, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, all that being said, it is clear that there are huge challenges for Netflix and for other streaming platforms. There's a limit to the audience out there, right? Even if you are able to sign up everyone who is interested, you eventually do stop <laughs> getting new subscribers because there's no one to, to sign up. And that's before you start taking into consideration the incredible competition in the space because there's so many different streaming platforms out there now. And, you know, obviously we're going to probably see more before we start to see things shake out. In the long run, I don't think all of those streaming services are going to survive. Some of them will end up getting folded into others uh, or they might end up changing hands. We'll see. But I always assumed Netflix would be one of the bedrock streaming services that would be around. I mean, it really established itself so in such a dominant position so early. Uh, but also, it's too early to suggest that the company is really at the beginning of the end. This could be a blip in Netflix's history, a, a serious one, but one that the company fully recovers from. We just have to wait and see. The Verge reports that Apple has retained the services of a law firm called Littler Mendelssohn, widely known as a union-busting law firm. This is the same firm that Starbucks hired in that company's efforts to counteract various union pushes throughout its stores. And this comes on the heels of an Atlanta Apple store's recent successful push to secure enough employee signatures to warrant a union election. 
The flagship Apple store in New York City is also in the process of gathering signatures in order to have the same kind of vote. And I am left to wonder if the hiring of law firms like this one ultimately ends up fueling the resolve of employees rather than discourages them. It's hard for me to say from the outside. I I don't have an inside perspective of these things. It may well be that the efforts to organize are succeeding despite heavy opposition rather than becoming energized by companies' efforts to squash them. I honestly can't tell. But again, it's another indication that employees in the tech sector are really pushing back against the established status quo. We've got several more stories to go over. Before we get to those, let's take a quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. But We Loved is a podcast about queer history. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught— a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was booted! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean! Huh? Oh! 
Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back, and over in Japan, Apple is facing another battle, as is Google. A government report in Japan named Apple and Google as essentially a duopoly when it comes to the smartphone operating system market, and that's totally true. Google is way in the lead worldwide. Google has about a 70% of the smartphone operating system market share, according to StatCounter. Apple is at a healthy 27.57%, which means that together, Apple and, and Google, or, you know, iOS and Android, make up about 98% of the smartphone operating system market. Kind of hard to argue against a duopoly when you have a figure like that. The government report expressed concern that this arrangement, this duopoly, creates an unfair marketplace for app developers and consumers alike, pointing out that it is common practice for Android phones to come pre-installed with, say, the Chrome browser, or for Apple to favor Safari. And the report argues that this stifles competition from other browsers, and, and that it is actively discouraging users from installing other browsers besides the ones that come pre-installed on the operating system. Further, the report argues that developers are forced into ecosystems in order to have their work accessible by people who use these smartphones, and that Apple and Google should allow developers and users to choose alternative app stores from the official ones on the platform. So in other words, you should be able to go to other stores besides the Apple App Store and download apps for your iPhone. Now, this is pretty much the opposite of Apple's market strategy, and unsurprisingly, the company has protested the report, arguing that Apple faces fierce competition in every arena. And it remains to be seen what this report will actually lead to in Japan, but it marks another spot in the world where the big companies like Apple and Google are starting to face resistance from regulators, like serious resistance. And we've got another story about the shaky world of NFTs. All right, so quick reminder. An NFT is a non-fungible token, which really means it's a digital certificate showing ownership of some sort of digital asset, and it is tracked on a blockchain of some sort so that there is a clear uh, uh, chain of transactions so you can trace 
who owned it at what point and who currently owns that digital asset. As far as what that asset is, it could be a line of code. It could be a piece of digital art. It could be an item within a video game uh, or pretty much anything else that's digital. And NFTs have been put through the ringer after a chaotic hype cycle that had its fair share of speculation, scams, and other shenanigans. And The Verge reports that a hacker has managed to steal NFTs estimated to be worth millions of dollars using one really tricky method and one super easy method. Now, the tricky part was that the hacker was able to gain access to the official Instagram account for the Bored Ape Yacht Club, or B-A-Y-C. That's one of the entities that is famed for minting NFTs of digital art. And folks have been speculating ridiculous amounts of money on these pieces of art. Like, this is the kind of stuff that got people uh, a bit wary of NFTs in the first place when they look at the art and they say, wait, how much money are people spending for a digital certificate showing ownership of this thing? And uh, we actually don't know how the hacker managed to get access of that Instagram account as of the recording of this podcast. The BAYC says that it had activated two-factor authentication on its Instagram account. So it should have been impossible for anyone not in possession of whatever that second factor was to be able to get access to the account. Um, maybe it was an inside job, but the hacker then used the official account to send out a phishing link that, if followed, would prompt NFT holders to interact with that link, and the link would lead the hacker to yoink crypto tokens right out of those users' wallets. So in other words, folks got a link from what they assumed to be a trusted source. They got it from the official BAYC Instagram account, which should be trustworthy. And they ended up getting robbed because of that. Now, the hacker convinced folks to follow follow the phishing link by leaning on one of the most reliable techniques in the history of humans, which is counting on greed. So the link proclaimed to be an airdrop of tokens. And if folks joined and uh, they connected their wallets to the link, they were supposedly going to be showered with what amounts to be free money, or really free digital assets, which could later be sold or auctioned off for money. And folks love the idea of free money, so there were a lot of takers. OpenSea, a famous crypto exchange, has subsequently banned the hacker's wallet address on that platform, but it is still visible on other platforms. No word yet on how or if those who are affected by this theft will be compensated. The Register reports that the Department of Homeland Security, after initiating a hack DHS program in which the department invited hackers to look for vulnerabilities and exploits in the Homeland Security's systems, discovered that its systems are far from secure. The 450 security researchers who took part in this event uncovered 122 vulnerabilities, 27 of which they deemed to be critical. That's pretty darn bad, but it really illustrates how these events are critical for organizations, government or otherwise. Offering bug bounties, that is, a, a payment to people who uncover and subsequently report vulnerabilities in systems, that gives organizations a chance to patch those holes and prevent actual black hat hackers from exploiting those vulnerabilities. Uh, I find it, frankly, a little scary 
that a department that has, let's face it, a checkered past had so many critical vulnerabilities in its various systems. But I am glad that the department is taking steps to address that in a responsible way. Penetration testing is a pretty big deal. And I might need to get my friend Shannon Morse back on the show to talk about how that process typically works. Uh, She's an expert in that field, and I am not. The White House has urged Congress to pass legislation that would allow more law enforcement agencies in the United States access to drone tracking systems. Now, to be clear, this isn't about those agencies operating drones in an effort to track citizens or identify suspects. Instead, this is about giving those agencies the ability to detect and track the drones themselves, presumably in an effort to counteract crime and terrorism efforts that rely on drone technology. Now, this is not yet a law. It's just a suggestion to Congress. And it marks a continuation of the U.S. government's increased concern about drones and drone operation. Uh, One story that I missed in 2021 was the FAA's new drone rules that require any new drones sold in the United States to broadcast the, the, the drone operator's physical location. And that kind of makes sense in some scenarios, like say there's a person who's operating a drone that's in a restricted area which could pose as a threat, even if the person didn't intend to do that, uh, it could be critically important to track that person down and be able to to stop that person or to you know, tell that person what's going on so that they can move the drone out of the restricted area. Uh, because drones could pose a threat to things like aircraft, for example. However, this capability, the idea of being able to track a, an operator's physical location, also has some troubling consequences. For instance, during the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, some folks were using drones to keep an eye on police activity. And it doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination to assume that a law enforcement agency that was under citizen surveillance might use the drone's broadcasting of the operator's physical location to track down and stop that operator. So it really does go both ways here. And it also raises the point that drone tracking technology now is effectively operator tracking technology, right? If you're talking about a drone that was purchased legally in the United States after this FAA rule came into effect, then you could say, well, yeah, it's important to track the drones, but we also have to remember that this could be abused so that police could track the operators. It's not even necessarily about the technology in that respect. It's more, again, a kind of citizen surveillance. So there are definitely some, you know, dark consequences to this as well. A UK watchdog called the Competition and Markets Authority may soon have some new powers when it comes to holding companies accountable for fake reviews posted on sites, websites. So we're talking about user-generated reviews for the most part, and the practice of certain entities, like shady product companies or sometimes the PR firms hired to promote those products, of either posting directly or hiring people to post positive fake reviews in an effort to market their goods. Uh, The proposals in the UK suggest making it, quote, clearly illegal, end quote, to hire someone to write or host fake reviews. And if found guilty, the CMA could fine the responsible party 
uh, presumably either the site that's hosting the reviews or the people who are hiring people to post fake reviews, up to 10% of their global turnover. This will create a new responsibility for sites that host reviews, namely that they need to have practices in place to be reasonably certain that the reviews posted on the site are legitimate. So presumably, if a website shows that it has taken reasonable action to guard against fake reviews, the CMA won't levy fines on that site should some fake reviews slip through. Um, I'm guessing that there's going to be uh, a, a grace period where if a site is alerted to a fake review, it has the opportunity to remove it before uh, any kind of consideration would fall on it. In addition, the UK government is looking to make it easier for consumers to cancel subscriptions should they not want a service any longer. I mentioned this in an earlier Tech Stuff News episode. I'm sure all of you have had some sort of experience where you were put through a wild goose chase in an effort to cancel a subscription. Now, personally, I think these are good steps, assuming that the enforcement is reasonable and fair, which admittedly is much easier said than done. We have a couple more news stories to get through. Before we get to those, let's take another quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a podcast about queer history. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story. 
and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MovieFone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Several years ago, I wrote an article for HowStuffWorks.com about how the Large Hadron Collider works. And at the time of me writing that article, the LHC had not yet graduated to full-power experiments. Didn't stop people from speculating on what the LHC would find or what potential calamity it might cause once it goes into power. But uh, yeah, I, I wrote the article on that. And Then it got up to doing full-power experiments. But then, uh, over the last three years, the LHC has been pretty quiet. Scientists did initiate some pilot particle beams around the facility in October 2021, but otherwise, it's been offline. Now, the purpose for that multi-year hiatus was, well, it was manifold. There were quite a few. One big one was that there was a massive upgrade to the LHC and there were also repairs and maintenance to the facility. And now it's back, baby. Last week, the LHC sent out opposing beams of protons at an injection energy of 450 billion electron volts. All right, now let's do a quick rundown in case none of this is making any sense to you. The Large Hadron Collider is a particle accelerator. So it uses extremely powerful electromagnets to both propel and direct opposing beams of particles, such as protons, but it could be other stuff too, so that these particles collide at specific points along the pathway. Now, located at these specific points are a selection of different experiments. These experiments focus on different elements of particle science. So, The collisions create scenarios that are otherwise impossible for us to replicate on Earth, including the formation of teeny 
tiny black holes that last for a fraction of a fraction of a second. That black hole thing is one of the things that trips some people out, but it's really important to note that the energy of these black holes is such that they cannot last. It is less than a gnat's uh, beating of its wings once. Like it's, it's tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of energy and they're gone before you can even be aware that they were there, uh, without the use of incredibly sensitive equipment. So they blip out of existence almost as quickly as they appear. Anyway, the science done at the LHC is expanding our understanding of how the universe works, you know, how energy and how matter work. And it's gone a long way to proving or disproving various hypotheses in physics. And just because the facility wasn't actively blasting particles around for three years and some change doesn't mean that a lot of important science wasn't going on. Quite the opposite, in fact. See, one of the really big challenges of these experiments is that the collisions generate a truly tremendous amount of data. And it's a full-time gig just combing through all the information and making sense of it. So while the facility was effectively offline as far as generating new experiments, there were countless scientists examining the information that were cre was created through the previous years of collisions. Now, in what is being called Run 3 of the LHC, we're going to see two new experiments, one called SND at LHC and another called Phaser. These are going to look into everything from physics that go beyond the standard model of physics to the production of antimatter. Maybe it'll help us understand why our universe had a tiny bit more matter than it had antimatter. That's, that's why we've got stuff. If there had been equal amounts, then they would have annihilated each other completely and the universe would be empty. But it's not. Why? Maybe this experiment will help us learn. Anyway, I love learning about the LHC, though admittedly 99% of the stuff is way over my head. China has announced that it is going to launch a space mission sometime in the next four years in order to send a spacecraft that will collide with an asteroid on purpose to test a potential asteroid deflection system. Uh, this is similar to a NASA mission that was launched in November of last year, that mission has sent a spacecraft to collide with Dimorphos, a small asteroid that orbits a larger one called Didymus. Uh, Dimorphos isn't on a collision course with Earth, so the NASA mission is really just more of a proof of concept to see if we can actually affect an asteroid's flight path by hitting it, kind of like a billiard ball, which will happen later this year in September, I believe, is when it's scheduled to have that collision. Now, NASA's project is called the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, and China's test sounds like it's going to be pretty similar, though the country has not yet chosen which asteroid it will target for its own test. And asteroids certainly pose a potential threat. The Earth has been hit before and totally transformed by asteroids in the past. So this is another step toward the identification, tracking, and deflection of space objects that could otherwise pose catastrophic danger to life on Earth. It's a uh, it's something we definitely need, <laughs> and it's it's kind of cool to think we're getting there. I never thought we were going to, you know, try and deflect asteroids by whacking them, you know, sort of the percussive maintenance approach to asteroid deflection. Uh, there were a lot of people discussing things like using a spacecraft to create become kind of like a tugboat and using 
the gravitational attraction between the asteroid and spacecraft itself to deflect the path. But obviously for that to work, you have to go much, much, much further out in order to affect an asteroid's path before it gets too close to the Earth. Uh, deflection might be more uh, effective with the percussive method for asteroids that are a little closer in. We'll have to see. And finally, for those of you who are eagerly anticipating the animated Super Mario Brothers movie this holiday season, I have some bad news. The movie has been delayed until April 7th in North America and April 28th in Japan. Uh, this is the film that controversially cast Chris Pratt as the voice of Mario. Anyway, Nintendo didn't give any details about why there is going to be this delay, uh, but there could be a lot of different reasons, including production delays due to COVID. But we do know we will not be getting the Mario film until next year. But no worries, you can still hunt down and watch the classic 1993 live-action movie starring Bob Hoskins as Mario, John Leguizamo as Luigi, and Dennis Hopper as Bowser. I've only ever seen that once, and it was like a fever dream, but I've heard more and more folks recently, uh, mostly in the millennial generation, talk about it being entertaining. Not good, mind you, but entertaining. Your mileage may vary. And that's it for this episode of Tech Stuff News. If you have suggestions for topics I should cover on Tech Stuff, feel free to keep reaching out to me on Twitter with the handle TechStuffHSW. That Twitter handle is not going anywhere. I will continue to maintain it and check it. So reach out there and uh, I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 
American comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.